The Sporland Division of Parker Hannifin Corporation is sponsoring this podcast. Sporland is the leading manufacturer of HVAC and R components. Using quality materials and craftsmanship, Sporland maintains a commitment to innovation, manufacturing excellence, service, and support for its customers since 1934. The company is known for its catch-all filter dryers, thermostatic expansion valves, solenoid valves, pressure regulating valves, suction filters, electric valves, controllers, supermarket monitoring solutions, chemicals, smart service tools, ZoomLock Max Press to Connect, and ZoomLock Push, Push to Connect Refrigerant Fittings. If folks want to learn more, what do they do? Uh, you can go to sporland.com. I guess that's Jim and John for Sporland signing off. We've all been there in the middle of a job, everything going smoothly until boom, you're missing a part. United Refrigeration is your one-stop shop for all your refrigeration needs. Use your computer or smartphone to go to www.uri.com at any time of day or night to check stock on your favorite brands, such as Copeland, Sporland, Carlisle Compressors, Danfoss, Emerson CPC boards and sensors, Corel, Hussman parts, and Ketotherm. United Refrigeration Inc. is home to these brands and many more. Looking for information on refrigerant conversions or refrigerant banking? Quick access links on the homepage can get you to the information you need. All approved accounts are able to see live to the minute inventory and pricing. Product not in stock at your local branch? No problem. Use the nearby stock feature to find a local branch that does have what you need. Are you looking for a branch address, phone number, or after hours number? That's all available as well. Just click on the branch locator and search for your local branch. Have a model number and looking for a replacement part? www.uri.com forward slash ARP has a vast list of quick pick replacement parts. Just search for the model number of the equipment you're working on and click the Replacement Parts tab. If you don't have an account, click the Register button and we'll have you online in no time. With more than 400 locations in North America, each United Refrigeration branch is fully stocked for immediate pickup. Our branch employees have in-depth technical knowledge so we can help you get what you need when you need it. Visit your local store or www.uri.com forward slash ARP today. United Refrigeration Inc. has all your solutions down cold. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Advanced Refrigeration Podcast. You're here with your host, Brett Wetzel and Kevin Compass. You look cold. Is it cold there? It's 30 degrees more or 40 degrees warmer than it was. Friday, which is what? Uh, it got down to minus fifteen. Oh, sweet. It was like minus forty-seven with the wind chill. It's kind of chilly here. It's it's a, it's a blisterly. I'm looking right now. It's forty-seven. It's getting colder. Hate you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Uh, it's like starting to get sick again. All of a sudden, like the the flu hit our house again for like the fourth time in Either two that. weeks. So. Or it could have been Mr. I, I don't know where the, where the fuck my jacket is. Some fucking, some guy fucking hijacked my jacket or I left it somewhere. I don't remember what the fuck I did. Well, I do, I don't wear a coat usually. Like, it's got to be like minus 20 out for me to put a coat on. Bullshit. I, no, I'm serious. Like, 
I, I layer I, up. I just layer up. Like I, I don't like wearing like a coat. Like it drives me insane. I, I don't know. My wife yells at me all the time. And I have no idea what happened to my coat. Like I honestly don't. Like it's just I, I went to go grab it out of the closet and it was gone. The last time I seen it was when I came back to Client Pros and I was switching vans. I don't I probably left it in my old Midwest van. <laughs> Like I, I don't know. I just wear bibs in like layers. Like I just wear Under Armour and uh, I just start layering up long sleeves and then then I start you know I'll throw on like a Carhartt sweatshirt. Then you know uh, my bibs and then like Carhartt Arctic sweatshirt. Then I'm usually pretty good. It was just so windy. Did you take any time off? No, I I, I took Monday off. Like kind of. Uh, I've been I've been off since Monday. Actually, Friday. Hate you. No, dude, I had so much vacation time that I, you know, you need to take some vacation. Yeah, well, like I I try to take Monday off, and my phone just rings and rings and rings and rings. So it's like, well, I'm not getting well, I'm getting PTO, but I guess uh, I'm getting sitting here just answering the phone. Well, that 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 was always when I was in a truck. That was always the agreement when I went on vacation. Right. I'd, I'd take off for five days and I'm like, well, I was technically on the phone for probably about two and a half of those days. So I know I put it down for vacation, but um, sorry. What are you going to do? You're yeah. technically working. You're technically getting fucking shit back up and running for other people. You know, what are you going to do? I mean, I should have just went to work yesterday because uh, it was double time still. Oh, shit. <laughs> With us, if the if the holiday falls on a Sunday. Yeah. Then Monday's the observed holiday. Ooh. So technically, like those days, you can make like 24 hours of double time because Sunday's double time too. Oh, shit. So you could basically make an entire week's paycheck in like 24 hours. And yeah. guys were doing that because uh, we were like 100 calls in the hole. Oh, I got that cold in up Chicago. Oh, it, it, every store was down. There wasn't, I mean, almost like it was just, it was bad. Like there was, it, it was bad. Oh, hold on. Now I have a question. How many, how many, uh, how many A9s and, and A8s were, were valved off? Uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to guess eight. Me personally, I found 22 A9s valved off. Oh my God. Multiple, <laughs> multiple stores. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think what. I think what happens is, is like, you know, guys are got, like in this in the heat of summer when it's not fucking maintained. They're like, well, let me shut this off. Just make sure it's not bleeding by just a little bit, causing the head pressure to go up. And that was summertime. <laughs> so they've left it off. And now fast forward, you know, four or six months. Now it's negative 20 up in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, uh. Yeah, I don't know. It was like, I, I have a feeling that like it, it's imposter syndrome. Guys, w- one guy finds an A9 blowing through in the middle of the you know summertime and causing head pressure issues. Now everybody that has head pressure issues is that. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, I found so many of them off. It was ridiculous. And then I, a bunch of other guys found them off. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, Sorry. and then it was it was more than that too. I mean, it was you know, companies you know, fat fingered head pressure set points, you know, 
found a found a couple that uh, somebody tried to sneak some like uh, sixty degree head pressure set points in. Wait, what? Like yeah. sixty pounds low? Oh, 60 degrees. Like mm, it's uh it's getting pretty down pretty low, especially if you uh gotta set the hole back in A9. And then oh. uh, a lot of uh VFD motors stuck on. Oh, just in bypass or no, like the variable speed motors. <laughs> yeah. A lot lot of uh a lot, a lot of those, I was uh, on top of an EBM condenser, just contemplating quitting this trade altogether in the <laughs> middle of the blowing thing, trying to figure out which fan motor I was losing my 10-volt uh, signal for the other motors at. <laughs> Did you find it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one that was full of snow. I finally <laughs> opened it up, and yeah, this is just... Yeah, it was bad. Like it was just bad all the all around. Like this is, I mean, nothing was sized for it. I mean, I mean, the the stores that like, the stores that got taken care of good and like everything was checked and set up. It, they were fine. Like the A nines and A eights were set. They were fine. But I mean, there were stores all over the place. Old stores that like condenser fans were locked on. I mean, it was just bad all around. A lot of in-house stores just down. I mean, I don't know, towers frozen all over the place. Oh, man. Uh, frozen sprinkler lines everywhere. <laughs> How many vestibules popped? A lot. Yeah. yeah. That, was the, that was the one call that, I don't know, besides besides a fan falling in condenser, um, is when you get the call for the vestibule being frozen up. Yeah, that's... uh. I just I just left one. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's uh it got down to like eight degrees here in Texas. Yeah, did everything freeze? Uh, actually no, not really, because it, it didn't stay that cold that long. It's when it stays eight degrees for an extended period amount of time. Like people um called my wife to to get an opinion like why they weren't having water in certain parts of the house but i don't even i don't even really technically understand how all the plumbing works because i mean like because most of the most of the places right like my house my water goes you know in from the street up all the way up the attic and then into water heaters and then down and this guy was telling me that he has no hot or cold water in in one of his in, in downstairs but he had it upstairs so unless it was some, both hot and cold water pipes froze inside the wall, like you know, before it goes underneath underneath the floor, because there's no basements here, so it's all concrete. It's the only thing I can think of. I don't know why. Like one of my buddies had that happen. Uh, they ran the water line on an outside wall, mm-hmm. so I mean, it, it ended up freezing. Like all all nothing in my house is on the outside wall. I have two water lines that go into the garage. But I mean, my garage is heated in the wintertime when it uh, when it gets that cold, I turn the, the unit heater on. But yeah, I mean, there's there's pipes freezing all over the place. Like I had a, a sprinkler rhyme, uh, room riser at a, at a store. They had a little uh, 5000 BTU heater in there, electric heater Uh-oh. in a uh, 18 foot long room that was uh, 10 foot wide with 20 foot ceilings. I guess it wasn't hot and warm enough. Wall. 
Yeah, how do you think that hit? How do you think that it, it was like literally throwing a hot dog through a hallway? Like that thing wasn't even doing anything. Like you would have shut it off and it would you wouldn't even have noticed. Nice. But yeah, I mean, we want to spend a little bit of time going over like setting some winter stuff. We're gonna do a quick like winter recap and like how to set holdback valves and how, how to re- get the refrigerant out of the freaking condenser. And how not to get the refrigerant out of the condenser. And why is the refrigerant in the condenser? So with that being said, guys, um, so like tarpon condensers, I've seen a ton of guys tarpon condensers. <laughs> like it triggers the shit out of me. It was it was almost, it was almost like I get I get sometimes you have to do what you have to do. <laughs> like it's it's it was almost as bad as like going to like a HVAC forum and you seeing all the dirty filters. For you know, for like a PM, it was it was I couldn't believe how many were up there. Yeah, I mean it was uh, it it was bad. Like it's uh, I don't know. Like so, there, there's every time I've seen like all week, every time I seen a tarp condenser, the A nine or A eight wasn't set, or it was the set wrong, and it was fighting the fans. Or or maybe maybe it was under under gas, like um, oh. under gassed. Yeah, I mean, or it was under gassed, or the split side was full of all the gas, or it wasn't going into split. Oh, you know, my one of my favorite things to find is, um, and this this always happens on um, anything that usually has. I know Hill does this. I know Kaiser does this, where they basically take a loop off of the off of the pump out solenoid. Um, and basically, if none of the compressors are running, it won't. Even though It'll allow the regular split valve to, you know, the normally open valve to close or the three-way three way valve to switch. But it actually shuts off the, the solenoid to the pump out. So you're not pumping liquid into the into the rack if, God forbid, the thing shuts down. And I've, I've counted on every single finger and toe where someone took the auxiliaries on the one side, where, which used to go through and through. And then they had, they for a PM, they put a new contactor in and then put another auxiliary on there where it basically now had everything was on one side. So they wired up the way that they think it is. And every single time this one compressor would come on, it basically back feeds the voltage back up through the, uh, the, through the, where the defrost heater would connect on L2 back through the solenoid and back feeds and starts turning off and on the fucking split valve intermittently and just wears it the hell out. And so like, you can calculate, it was like that thing that valve turned or that valve turned on 230 times today. Cause that's how many times the fucking solenoid uh, was juiced by the, by the contactor. So. Yeah, I I found that at a store like last year. I I see it a lot, man. Because I mean, a lot of these you know, a lot of these kids are you know aren't they're like oh yeah you just hook this up, but they never explain you know the one side of the auxiliary versus the ones that go through and through. So they just wire it up how they think they have it, and you know they'll you'll have intermittent head pressure issues in the summertime, and then in the wintertime you'll have well, where the hell the gas go game, you know. And you end up finding it in the fucking in the side of the split out of the condenser, even though the graph doesn't show it. Because excuse me, it was back, you know, actually back feeding through the auxiliary contact. Uh, yeah, I mean, so stuff like that. Uh, my brain fart. So stuff like that. Yeah, I, that that that's kind of a rare thing to find, but it does happen. So you know, just be aware of that stuff. But then checking the split side coils, guys. I mean, make sure they aren't full of liquid refrigerant. I mean, I had like four or five stores 
I mean, a medium temp rack, if it goes down, like there's a power outage when it's that cold, it's not pumping back out. It's it's not. It's not going to move. You either had to force the suction down that low, which probably isn't going to be a long-term solution, or you're going to have to get a recovery machine out there, and it's going to take forever to get to get all the liquid out of the split side. Or what you could do is start to high-head the rack as much as you can and then force all the liquid through all the discharge gas into the split side, force as much liquid out of that coil as you can, then shut it off where it's only vapor and let the vapor pump out. I mean that that's it's basically all you can do. Yeah, I mean because you think about it, man. Like if the, if the outside if the outside ambient is eighteen degrees, and that's the same pressure as your saturated suction. Guess what? There's no sucking going on unless it's a you know a dual a dual temp rack, right? That's the only time that you could have it. You know, end up sucking out. You know, because they'll usually go to you know to the lowest lowest suction to pull it out. Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a nightmare. I mean, with that, you're kind of screwed. So, I mean, you're going to have to get the recovery machine out and you're going to have to, you know, pull, start pulling that out like that. I mean, it, and then same thing with uh, making sure that uh, your low pressure switches are set low enough where they're actually going to come on mm-hmm. on single units. We, we had that problem all over. Wait, say that one more time. So, like, making sure the low pressure switches are set low enough on the single units. <laughs> so they don't stall out. Yes. All we had OGP units down everywhere. Because <laughs> the defrost in the middle of the night when it's so fucking cold out. Yep. And then if they if they weren't set to cut in like one pound with four forty eight, it's not cutting back in. Really? It's not cutting well, back no, in. Oh no, fuck it. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Unless so, the box got really hot and just transferred all that it, pressure upstairs. It, it wouldn't cut back in until the sun came up a little bit and it got to like minus ten and like the this you know, it put a little bit more load on there mm. and then the box got a little more load on it. Like it wouldn't cut back in. <laughs> so I don't miss that. Yeah. I mean that, that was, that was a huge issue. And then uh, guys mischarging units. Like I, I, I preach and preach and preach about this, but there's always a, you know, a few guys that refuse to do it. And uh, you know, they don't go ahead. Here's the problem with that. Like, so I, I get because I mean, we usually usually try to you know fill those uh, those condensers up to fifty or sixty percent. You know what I mean? Because that'll give you enough heat craft, and and all the other manufacturers will tell you there's there's enough capacity in that receiver now to fill the whole fucking the whole unit, right? Um, you know when it when it goes into you know holdback mode when it starts holding that refrigerant and packing that condenser full of full of liquid. Um, but I mean. How do you, how do you tell it's that? I mean, because usually most of the units that I see now, the the receivers at least insulated. So I mean, if the in, if the receiver wasn't insulated, you could basically hit it with a map gas torch and find out where the receiver is. You know what I mean? Where the level is. Otherwise, you're you're kind of figuring out. Okay, sight glass is full now, and that receiver will hold about this. And then you're figuring out, you know, where you know how much charge to fucking get it up to that level. What do you do? I mean, that's how I charge them. Like. I, I use the Sparlin chart and I go through and I figure out it. I figure out what's, uh, you know, what, what the charge needs to be by off, off the chart, like by measuring the coil and figuring it all out. Then I write it all down inside the unit. So the next guy, all he has to do is, you know, figure figure out uh, what, what the charge needs to be. Yeah. What Sporlin chart are you talking about? I think it's 90 dash. 30-1? I think so. 
half brain dead right now. 90 dash what? 30 dash one? Yeah. Uh, Google's listening. It came up even before. Oh, I, what? I thought you were getting ready to say something. No. <laughs> well, yeah, so I mean, that's how I charge the single single systems. I mean, I, I, use the, I use the chart and then figure out what the flooding charge is. Like, Hussman actually lists the flooding charges on their... On their uh... Do they really? Yeah. They list the flooding charges to flood them 100%. So you got to figure out what it is you need to flood to for that suction if, say, it's 80% for whatever given outdoor air temperature is. So you can quickly figure it out. So, like, yeah, it's actually nice with, like, their single units. Like, they... They have like chassis, what they call them, and they—that's they, how they rate their coils. So like a, it'll it'll be like a if it has a C and like a certain number and a mile number, it's the C chassis coil. It holds eighteen pounds at full, hundred percent flood, at minus twenty. So then you just got to figure out, do some math, and figure out what it what it's going to be at, uh, you know, minus yeah, ten. Yeah, and then enough to get it at what sixty percent up in there. 60%, you know, because that's what they usually say, right? 50, is it 50 to 60% receiver charge to have a full liquid when, it under, when it's under flooding? Uh, it, it depends. It really, really depends on how cold it is. And it really depends on how cold it is and uh, what, you know, what the load is too also. I mean, and how loaded the compressor is. But like that, that charging chart is like key. And like once you get it down, I mean, it gets a lot easier. Measuring the coils is kind of a pain. I mean, but you know, after you go through, like, I started like writing down. I haven't done it in a while, but like in the beginning, I started writing down like model numbers or you know condensing units. Like, so you go to Target, you see the same condensing units over and over and over again for like the freezer and like the dairy cooler and stuff like that. You see the same ones over and over again. So you know, okay, if it's uh, a heat craft unit, this this model number, okay, it's going to be this much gas to flood the condenser. So like you you could write it down, you already have it, you know, in your notes of how much it's going to be. And then you just got to figure out the difference from what you charge at what ambient, say it's 70 degrees outside, it's 0% flooded. Okay, well, now you may need to add 24 pounds of gas to that. Well, if you charge that same unit up at 50, you may only need 10 more pounds. Yeah, sure. Now, what's your, what's your rule on uh, on heaters on the receivers? Like I, cause I, like, I saw one. I was actually surprised that I saw one on a, on a flash tank on a transcritical the other day. Because I, like, I, I was thinking, why the hell would you want to get it any, you know, why would you, well, you, want, you want as much subgluing in there as possible going down the line? So what's the rule for that? I mean, most of the ones I've seen are just wired hot. Really? Yeah, all the heat. Most of the heat craft units are just wired hot. Hmm. I know some of them are like on a little clickson that's like air mounted, you know, somewhere in the cabinet. And usually, usually it's like sixty degrees. What's it? Sixty or or? Yeah, I guess because they don't want to go any lower than what what it would be bypassing at, right? Yeah, so I mean, 60 would sound right. The, here's the problem with that. Like, I mean, it most of the time it's heat tape. So it's self-regulating heat tape. Yeah. So it's whatever temperature. I'm not really sure what it is. Like maybe 60 degrees, 50 degrees, whatever that self-regulating heat tape kicks out at. Yeah. But I mean, you're not getting much heat off that. Agreed. I mean, especially when it's that cold. So, 
I mean, that, that's one thing that you'll look at. And then the other thing is like a lot of these newer units are coming with like a fan temperature switch. So I found a ton of those set wrong. Like oh, they're the, the ambient, like it's an a- ambient switch. Yeah, like, sends out like an ambient switch. Like it's uh, they're killing the second fan. Like a ton of them were set to like zero to cut out for the fans. So cool. yeah, the second fan was running when it didn't need to, so it's just eating up more charge. So, I mean, hmm. everything with a hundred fifty pound headmaster, a hundred pound headmaster is kind of struggling a little bit. So. <laughs> And you can see it too. Like if you graph, it's funny because if you graph something that actually has the head pressure on there, I mean, you can see when the ambient drops, you'll see the head pressure start to drop as well. And as, as soon as it goes below whatever the headmaster is rated for, like if the headmaster is rated for 180 and all of a sudden it's at 170, 160, you can see the case temperature start going back up. And you, it's, you know, you can tell instantly it's, it's low on charge because then you'll see like it's been doing it since it's starting to get cold. And you'll see the temperature start has the ambient starts going back up. Case temperature starts going back down because now it's not packing so much fucking refrigerant, you know, in the coil and then has it where it needs to. Right. And you have to get the soup creep. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and then the same thing. I like grabbing them. I don't know. I had uh, a couple units that were high heading because they were, they were low on gas and it was uh, the headmaster was pushing so much gas into there's so much vapor into the receiver it was blocking the uh the gas up on a roof it was vapor vapor locking a single system it, it was it was vapor locking the, the receiver and causing it to high head so <laughs> i mean those calls are easy when it's that cold because you could just bam just you know throw a jug in just clear the glass and you're good to go clear the glass and you're good to go on to the next one you know do a quick leak check and it's like oh well this was uh, somebody's repaired this like two months ago, and uh, they didn't put enough gas in. It's they like, got no gas in it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if if, if it's a non insulated receiver, you could torch it, and everything's all good to go. If it's if it's insulated, you're kind of screwed. You either got to you know pe- peel it back and you know torch it then, or you. I mean, I don't really like peeling it off because then it looks like shit. Yeah, I'm not. I man, I've tried being real ginger with with insulating. That's something that I just truly just suck at. I am absolutely horrendous at it. I'm I'm like a little kid uh, doing finger paints. That's what it fucking looks like. And then I got shit all over me. Like uh, like same thing with any guy. Like I I refuse. I can fix just about anything, but um, like when it comes down to oh, I have to weather seal or caulk like around the fucking the bathroom or whatever. I'm like I'm hiring somebody. Because otherwise, it looks like a little kid was like, oh, let me do, and I just make a fucking mess all over the goddamn place. Yeah, I'm not good at it either, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm terrible at insulating. There's an entire trade for that. <laughs> so, and then, so, yeah, obviously, we went over single units. I mean, single units are pretty easy, pretty straightforward. I mean, if the headmaster's, you know, screaming hot going into the receiver, and it's cold coming out of the condenser. It's low on gas. Uh, also, remember we we do have bigger you know single condensing units that now have the you know the ORI the open open on rise of inlet. So that'd be your holdback valve. And then like one of the manufacturers is real big for using the differential. Usually it's the ORD twenty typically, and it's just like a stagnant number. You know it's going to be whatever you put your headmaster at. So if your headmaster's at you know, 180 where it starts holding back 180. Now it sees the differential between there. So if it's a 20 pound differential, it won't start feeding until the 
uh, until it gets down to about 160, and then it'll start chugging away. Um, I was going to say something. All these cadets unit manufacturers, these people that are putting these ORIs up against the fucking out the cabinet edge, I hate you. It's it's impossible to set. <laughs> you don't have a crow's foot that's like diagonal that you can fit in there. Yeah, because I want to do that when it's minus fifteen out. I can't feel my fingers, and I'm trying to put a gauge on there, just you know, contemplating just quitting doing this. <laughs> do you want to bring that engineer out there and just shove his face in there and be like, "You adjust it." How old are you? 30, 30 what? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Oh, you're going to be such a curmudgeon when you hit 40. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if I make it. If you haven't rage quitted about three or four times. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I I don't know. Like, those are nice. I, I, I'll I always like the, the adjustable ones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're nice if, if they're set up properly. They work They work fairly well. But the same thing, if you're, uh, if you're low on gas – you're going to be – same thing. It'll be bypassing through that ORD. It'll be cold in the condenser because it's trying to hold back, and it'll be bypassing all the gas through that ORD. I mean, if it's bypassing into that receiver, chances are more than likely you're low on gas. You got no gas in it. You got no gas in it. So, I mean, just you know, be aware of that. I mean, racks, same thing. I mean, some – some uh, racks have the same setup, like Aldi, for example. They use an A8 and they use an ORD. Um, we had a ton of issues with that because uh, Aldi on their Hussman stores, they purposely undersized the heat reclaim coils. Why? Because they were logging gas in the uh, like first gen like uh, rack stores. They were logging gas in the heat reclaim coils because Hussman – put some baby receivers in the uh in the protocols oh like the lay down protocols with the like okay well they they had a massive uh condenser or uh heat reclaim coil in there and they were locking gas in there so much so that it was emptying the receiver yes <laughs> how so, long was how long was the piping it, it's a couple hundred maybe like 200 feet oh. it's not like massive amount but like it would it it was moving enough air that it was condensing liquid, and, and which is which is not like the end of the world, especially when you have micro channels. But like they couldn't handle it on those uh, on those those small receivers. It just there there was not enough. You would be at like eighty five percent in the middle of summer and ten percent in the winter time. <laughs> so it's over overcharged. Nope, that's winter charge for that fucking rack. Yeah, basically, it needed, it needed this winter charge for the heat reclaim because they're they're pulling so much heat out of the you know the rack with it, which is efficient. But like, so they undersized the heat reclaim. So Husband installed a ten pound check valve in between the heat reclaim lines, so it couldn't get above ten pounds of uh, pressure drop. Okay, gotcha. Okay, smart. Well, when all these came out, half of them weren't ten pounds; they were twenties. Some of them were flipped upside down. Some of them were just check valves. It just depend on who, who put it together that week. I think we found like 48 stores that were uh, flipped upside down. We fixed those. So we had massive pressure drops from the heat reclaim to the uh, droplet or from the receiver by the time it went through the condenser. And what was happening is the ORD was injecting hot gas because 
It doesn't know anything besides the discharge. It lost its differential. It has a, it, no, it has a high differential. Yeah, the, well, that's what I mean. Like, it, it starts having a high differential. It just doesn't know what to do. Well, fuck, I have 20 pounds differential. Start feeding. Which created this vapor lock in the receiver <laughs> and then caused all the liquid to back up in the condenser until it finally burped through the equalizing line. And it would burp, and then it would, like, just dump all the liquid out of the condenser. And then the, the rack would start this vicious, like, random high cycling, head pressure cycling. Now, you would only see it in heat reclaim. And then there's still a 17-pound drop on these things. from When they're in heat reclaim and they're when they're in split and they're only running on two V-slab coils, there's a 17-pound drop. So you will hit these times where there's a little bit more pressure drop if there's a decent amount of load in the rack where the ORD starts injecting. So what we've done is we started deleting the ORDs and putting A9s in. Oh, because so you can actually control the differential. Correct, because the A9 doesn't care about the differential. It just cares what its outlet pressure is, Yep. which yep. is what it needs anyway. I mean, so... And check then, valve's cheaper. Yeah, I mean, the, the check valve's cheaper, but the A9 makes the problem go away and, and stops the energy usage, the high energy usage from that. Because what happens is there's you're running six compressors through two v-slab coils microchannel coils in the middle of winter which is usually i mean usually on on that big of a that you know that big of a rack you need like what eight slabs so it's eight six, slabs for a condenser or something it's six slabs and they shut off two slabs for uh for summer split okay so they're they shut off two banks of fans and it's kind of weird how they do this so they they wire the so fan three and fan five, they mm -hmm. wire normally the normally open to the split valve. So when fan three and fan five shut off, it splits the condenser. Gotcha. Oh yeah, that's right. You told me about this. So when you get down to it, you're running four, you know, fifteen horsepower medium temp compressors and three ten horsepower low temp pumps or fifteen horsepower low temp pumps. I mean, that's a lot of velocity going through that coil, so it makes quite a bit of pressure drop. So setting, like, the holdback valve and stuff is very, like, particular. Like, if they're not, like, riding the money at 125 pounds on the holdback, it, it starts fighting the fans and it starts fighting everything. So I want, I want to get into your, your bush fix for setting these because I know, like, you know, we, we did a podcast on this once before about setting valves, and you're like, oh, I do everything by the chart, but I, there's no fucking way. That when it was negative fifteen out, you know, outside, you were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna set this exactly to the amount of turns." No, like for like uh, when it's that cold, it's cake setting holdback valves. I mean, I'm just dialing them in at that point. It, I mean, when it's minus ten out, minus fifteen out, we're not running the fans anyway. We're we're sitting on the holdback valve, so like I'm just dialing it in, like literally just you you're literally just raising and lowering it right off the holdback valve, and you're getting instant instant results. It's not like so like one turn is 70, 70 pounds yeah. generally. So like in the summertime, like I'm getting them like almost dead within five pounds of what they need to be. So like the stuff I did, I didn't really have a problem with like, but like there's stores where like guys, you know, tweaked them a little bit and they're at 150 pounds. Well, now they're fighting the fans. So, I mean, then I'm just literally like just slowly opening it just slowly because 70 pounds is one turn. So, I mean, you may need to go a quarter turn. And you'll hear it start feeding. Like it'll start whistling like a freight train. 
So when you when you start when you roll up on a on a, a rack that's actually down, what what's your what's your what's your SOP? What are you doing first? If you see that there's no refrigerant in the in the receiver. Hey guys, today's episode is sponsored by Westermeyer Industries serviceable oil floats. Many oil separators contain an oil float to effectively meter separated oil back to the compressors. Westermeyer Industries has taken this concept and perfected it. With their new line of serviceable oil floats, these floats feature an improved design with fewer components, allowing for greater manufacturer consistency and up to 20% increased oil flow versus their legacy models. These floats also feature an integrated magnet to shield the oil path from debris and have been field proven in supermarket applications. Westmeyer Industries offer replacement oil floats not only for their own separators, but also cross-compatible models for our competitor oil separators as well. You can find out more about the Westermeyer Industries serviceable oil floats by visiting westermeyerind.com backslash floats. Once again, that's westermeyerind.com slash float. Let's get on with the episode. Depends the what thing it is. is. Just flat it out. So it depends on what it is. Like if it's like a target rooftop rack, like where everything's on the roof. So I pretty much my 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 go to with that is where the racks on the roof, the receiver skid and condensers on the roof. My go to with that is because everything's in the receiver and in the condenser. Okay, so my go to with that is I close the discharge ball valves for the rack, go into the condenser. Yep. I drive the A9 all the way in or A8OE, whatever you have. I drive it, drive it all the way in okay. to, to full flow. Make sure the ball valves are open. And then I force the EPRs open. So if it's sort uh, sort 12s or 15s, I shut off the pilot lines for them. Yeah. Or if they're A8s, I go grab like the biggest circuits I could find and I open the manual bypass stems. You're talking about on the EPR for the section of all the evaporators, right? Now, I won't do all of them. Like I'll do like the bigger loads, the bigger circuits. Yeah. yeah if, it's a, if it's A8s, I'm not taking every single cap off. I'll, I'll open as many as I can. If it's CDS valves, I'm just forcing them all open to 100. percent Okay. You're trying to get as much flow in there as possible. Yep. And then I'm bypassing a compressor on, whether I'm jamming something in the contactor to keep it on, like. Or, I mean, that's not the best thing to do, but like when it's that cold and I'm not walking across the roof or sitting on Proact on my phone to, to, you know, kick it on. Yeah. I mean, so I'm going to force a compressor on generally like the one that's not in warranty or, you know, that looks easy to change. <laughs> in case there's a little fucking look yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm going to get it back on and I'm going to let it go. Like, it may go into a vacuum a little bit. It may not. Like, if it goes into a vacuum a little bit, it is what it is. You want, you need to get that heat rolling. So what it does is you forcing those ball valves shut, everything is going down into that receiver now, okay? It's going through, like, a 5-8 or 7-8 pipe. Yeah. So your velocity is much higher now, and you're getting that pressure behind there now because you're backing up behind that pipe and in that valve. But but that But what happens if you don't have shit in your in – your- condenser are you just doing that to build up your pressure well builds up the pressure and it'll push whatever's in that receiver into the store so even if there's like a vapor like mix in there it's still pushing 
all that volume into the store. Okay. Which is going to help you just to get it returned back, just to get it returned back and build up load. Once that head gets about 180 pounds, I slam the, the ball valves open for the uh, condenser and it literally will flush all that liquid out of the, out of the condenser. So and then as soon as that happens, that receiver's warm and everything goes right downstairs. So let me get this straight. I just want to make sure I got this clear. Um, so when you when you're the only reason why you're forcing everything through the A9 uh, into the receiver is just to push it through any anything just to get as much flow in there as possible. And because you have the the discharge line shut off to the condenser, you're building up that pressure. So once that receiver warms up, it's more likely to keep that pressure up. As the pressure starts building up, building up, building up, then you can open up the the discharge lines going up to the up to the condenser, and essentially that'll push all your shit, all your refrigerant out. Correct. That's what you're doing. Push it all right to the receiver, and then that receiver is nice and warm, so it's going to want to go downstairs. Yeah. So that's generally, I think that's how I restarted just about every single rack we had. Like whether it's stall, even the racks that were downstairs in the mechanical room, I'm restarting them the same way. I'm shutting the, I'm shutting the discharge lines and I'm building up pressure and then I flush it back and then instantly it takes off. So at that point, how do you, how do you know that you have, that you, that you're not shy on gas? Okay. So once that happens, I, you know, start to bring it back to normal. You know, I start bringing the EPRs back online and then I'm starting to, you know, bring it back to normal and I'm trying to look and see what happened. Okay. We logging gas cause there's fans stuck on, um, are we logging gas? Look at the, you know, the head pressure set, you know, grass before that, are we logging gas cause the whole back set too high or is the a nine not set? And it just stalled out because the gas got stuck in the receiver and then it just migrated the condenser. So like I, I'll get it back up and I'll watch it for a little bit. So you make sure the hold back is set right. I'll set the A9, make sure it's set properly. If it's not bypassing hot gas when it's holding back, you know, I'll go through all that. And then the next thing I'm looking at, because I found this multiple times, if the suction set point is slammed down and the EPR is closed down, you're going to lose your load. And if that rack shuts off, it's not restarting on its own. If it shuts off for more than like 30 seconds to a minute, it's not starting back up. It's just not going to. As soon as it, as soon as that gas gets up on that roof, you're done. It's it's not starting back up on its own without somebody restarting it. I found multiple racks that were like supposed to be like plus 18 or plus 20, and they were running plus 13. So floating that suction up keeps those EPRs open more, which keeps your mass flow up, which keeps the entire rack running more steady and more stable. I, I can't tell you how many of these guys that are tarpon condensers, I guarantee you go in that store and the suction slammed down, the head slammed up, and valves aren't set. So that's funny you said that. Like when I saw those pictures of all the tarps up, I'm like, no, I mean, I like listen, I understand how it is. Like you're you're in there, you're running and gunning, you're just getting the fucking thing back up and running. But I mean, there's there's a multitude of reasons why, you know, like like you said, either your fans are on. For your condenser when they're not supposed to, where they're interfering with the A8 and A9, where the A8 and A9 is not set up properly, like you said, the suction is down so fucking low, and it just it sits there and potentially just kind of short cycles where it'll shut down, shut down the compressor because the pressure is running too low for what the EPRs are doing at that point, and then it basically just sits there and stalls out. And I've, I've seen a bunch of times where you're not putting enough heat into that into that uh, oil separator. And basically, because you're just shutting compressors off and on, it acclimates to whatever temperature it is. So it never really truly heats up. 
And all of a sudden you end up having an oil failure because that liquid that's created in the, in the discharge of your uh, separator is not warming up past its saturation point and then becomes a big, you know, spool of liquid. And then that liquid just feeds straight up to the compressors and then ends up grenading the compressors. So what happened first, right? The chicken or the egg. So the rack stalled out because the suction was too low, which caused the oil separator to condense into a liquid. And, you know, that's what ended up taking out. And it's, it's, it's funny. Cause like, you, you know, you teach little tricks like that to somebody and then they, they try to, they think that every single thing is like the hardest thing possible that it could be. They don't go, um, <laughs> like whenever we teach an EMS class, it's like those guys are, that's all they're finding. Like, oh, I need to reformat the, the E2 because it's, it's not, it, the program lost. I don't know what happened. I'm going to reformat it. Like, it seems like whenever you teach a, anything new, like they, they automatically stick to that, that one thing. There it is. Like, I, I mean, I've trained like a bunch of guys up here, like, that are like my core group of guys. Like mm-hmm. they, they all do things the way, like I kind of do it. Like they all look at things like the same way. Like they know, you know, floating suction and, you know, they know how to like look at a rack and say, okay, we can adjust this and adjust this and to make it better. But like at the same time, they're also like, this thing's been running this way for 15 years. Let's uh, what changed. But at the same time, I'm an extremely lazy person. Carving a condenser is the last thing I want to do when it's minus 15 with 50 mile an hour winds by myself, trying to get a, you know, a 30 foot tarp wrapped around something that it's going to take me less time to set the valves and make this thing work right. than it is the tarp, the condenser. Then you got to go back and take a tarp off. (laughs) Yeah. You you were saying something to me on the, on the phone where, where a bunch of stuff was starting to go off on high head like yesterday. Yeah. There was, a, there was a story yesterday that high headed because they tarped the shit out of it. <laughs> trying to trap that in, trying to keep the pressures up. But at, at the end of the day, like if you would just set the valves and put the right amount of refrigerant in there, like you're fine. Like, and then the other thing is a lot of guys I see, okay, it logs so much gas. Why is the holdback set at 180 pounds? This isn't 1991. Like, slam that thing down to 60 degrees and 55 degrees. That's what I run for my – that is my go-to numbers for my my holdback in A9. 60-degree condensing for the A, A8 and 55 degrees for the A9. You said 65 and 55? No, uh, 60 and 55. You do midpoint though, right? I do um, bubble. Do you really? Okay. Yes. Yeah, because I guess if you, go, if you go liquid, it'll raise your pressures up a little bit higher. Correct. So just, I'm just saying, cause like some, some customers are very fucking specific, you know, it'll say right on, right on the thing. It'll say, we want a 65 degree midpoint. Yeah. I mean, you you could do, okay. You could do 60 degree midpoint. I mean, you could do a 60 degree midpoint. I mean, you're talking semantics at that point. It's like maybe like five pounds difference. So, I mean, if you get it close, it's it's okay. I mean, just keep it, you know, 10, 5, 10 pounds under the fan setting so you're not fighting the VFD. And then I like to keep the A9 as close as I can. I mean, the go ahead. Make sure, make sure that your minimum uh, condensing pressure that's set within whatever controller you're working on, whether it be E3, E2, Danfoss, I don't give a shit make sure you know what that is set for because that's basically going to dictate. Cause I mean, 
I, I know a lot of customers still use, you know, pressure set points, but I mean, really, I mean, should they? I mean, if anything, they're always always trying to use differential, right? So make sure that your minimum condensing pr pressure is set via your controller, whatever the hell you're using. Otherwise, you're going to end up getting screwed. And so typically I see, what, 68 usually for the men, which makes sense with, with your 60 and 55 degree settings as far as your holdback and your A9. Generally, if you run under 70 degrees, you start using more fan horsepower for KW than you're going to save by lowering the, the KW that down. Below, below 70 degrees, you start – it's like 70 to 65 degrees. You start losing um, efficiency. No, I'm just saying yeah. check out what the what the setting is, right? Because if yeah. you you know if someone ever puts a min on there and they have a TD set for 10 degrees and there's no minimum condensing temperature, fuck the fans are going to stay on if it's if it's 30 degrees outside and the saturated condensing temperature is 40. That's where that's where it's going to fucking maintain. Like the EMS guy that uh, slapped the old 55 degree uh, condensing temperature in one of the uh, stores that I had to go to. Oh no. Yeah. Why would you do that? He lived in Arizona. Ah, you're killing me, kid. You're killing me. Why? Because I know I think I know who the fuck you're talking about. No, it wasn't for you. Oh, okay. Oh, it, wasn't for you guys. <laughs> it was a different company. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, slap the old 55 degrees in there and uh, sent her home. Needless to say, the uh, holdback valve did not appreciate that. So, like, another thing, guys, if you have, like, I can tell you right now, if I walk up to a rack and I, I grab that that liquid line and it's, like, almost ambient, mm -hmm. I know I know for a fact the whole bag's fighting the fans. Oh, ooh, what was what was the thing you were trying to show me? I couldn't understand. You should, had a picture of a oh. fr frozen canister, and then you had a, your your ORI, your old bag valve that was just completely iced, and then went to a check valve. What the fuck was going on there? So, that was a rack I showed up to, short cycling, get there, the manager starts screaming at me. Because, you know, his cases are empty. You know, when they've been empty, you know, they should have been empty for two days, not one day. <laughs> so he gets there and uh, I'm looking at him. I walk up to the rack and the whole liquid, the drop leg, the fucking receiver was just all ice. Like efficient ice. Efficient. 12, 12 to 18 degrees in a drop leg. I'm like, ooh. Low temp rack or medium temp rack? Uh, both. Oh, so it barely was staying running. So the low temp side was running. The medium temp side was kind of just like pretending it was glycol. Um, so I, I look at it. It's running a 79 degree condensing temperature. I'm like, the hell? <laughs> it's running 79 degrees with an 18 degree drop like <laughs> that's how much subcooling it had wow so i go on the roof dan foss and these condensers are clapped i don't understand clapped these things should have been condemned 15 years ago they're i have, wor they're worn out i have never seen besides one old account in the middle of indiana with single speed uh or single uh, phase motors, horse and a half motors, you with ginormous phase? capacitors on them. 
Wow. So I go up there and there's two fans locked on. On Dan Foss, on the HOA switches. Because the fans just run all the time because the things are so shot. There's four sprinklers under one condenser. Did they saw the sprinklers going? The sprinklers froze. They were still on. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I go get the fans off and I'm like looking around and I'm like, something still isn't right. Like I still have like a 20 degree drop. Like, yeah. I look, I'm like, man, that receiver is like, I look at the pressure in a receiver. Oh, 40 pounds. This thing's just stacking. I opened it like a full turn and a half. All of a sudden, the whole rack just starts shaking. All the liquid comes down. Receivers at like 65%. And then I look at the A9, valved off. All the way backed out, set the thing, and thing just takes off. Just takes off and just starts running. Then I look at the ceiling tiles, and there is literally like you could see all the water dripping off all the like climbs because <laughs> they were just frozen solid. This is non subcooled rack from like the like, so, there's, so there's no insulation on any of the no liquid insulation lines. on any of the liquid lines, so it's just just raining. So yeah, I mean like. That, that, but if you walk up to a rack and I'm just like grabbing the, the grabbing the, li- the liquid line and the drop like coming down off the roof and it's almost ambient temperature, you're you're flooding and you're fighting the fans or you're fighting outside air temp but you're flooding. So, I mean, right then and there, I could just tell like looking at the controller, look at that. Okay, I know I'm not I know I'm not feeding and then I'm grabbing the A9. If the A9 is not hot too, like we got a problem here, Chief. Uh, we got valve settings set wrong or we're fighting fans. Or we're fighting the controller, so that that's uh, that's one thing to like keep in mind. Like grabbing pipes, like I'm just walking in there, grabbing grabbing around on stuff, you know, feeling a nine, making sure it's valved on, you know. And then you, if you find one rack like that, like I'm on there checking them all because I'm not just gonna go to a store, get the one rack back going, and like just boogie out of there. When okay, well, there's probably more, and like then you're like, oh shit, here's three more a nines valved off. So I, I go through and I just set them real quick. The, the nice thing about it being like that cold, like generally if this said an A9, you have to vent into the suction. You have to close the outlet of the valve or like the whatever valve is, you know, you need to isolate it from the receiver and then you need to vent the outlet, the outlet of the valve so you can set it. You get a little bit of flow through it and then you drive it in and that increases the pressure or drive it back out. It decreases the pressure. You go slow, crack your gauges about a quarter turn or core puller. When it's this cold, they are quite easy to set. I literally just shut the drop leg ball valve off and literally just start raising it to the receiver pressure stays at like whatever pressure I want it. So say if I wanted 120, I just shut the drop leg ball valve, let all the fans kick on, and then I'll just set my uh my receiver pressure at 120 pounds. And then open the ball valve back up and you're good to go. We had a couple stores where like the A9s were undersized or the ORD valve, ORD 20s. Like we had some Walmarts that had ORD 20s. They mm-hmm. just couldn't keep up. Like they just they just didn't have enough flow through them. They 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 were too small for for the load on the rack. Did they add, did they add capacity to it? No, it was just they just never was it never got taxed enough for it like it ever showed up, but like it was just too small. So we ended up with those stores slapping A9s on them. Problem went away. 
Maybe because the racks weren't in in originally intended for like that low of like head pressure, like floating the head that low. So, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not really sure at that point. Like, I didn't really size it. I I literally just sized the A9 for it. You know, I needed a five eight port A9, so threw five eight port A9 in there, and I was able to flow enough hot gas through it. But then problem goes away. Like I always would rather have an A9 because I don't like an ORD 20 just for the fact that it's got a 20 pound differential. So you're 20 pounds lower than the holdback's going to be. So with your A9, uh, external equalized or not? I just always buy the normal A9. Yeah. I mean, the, the externally equalized ones are... I'm going to be honest. I can't say that I've ever seen an externally equalized one. I've seen an A8OE. No, I, I don't know. I like I like having the externally equalized. I feel like it, it provides a little bit better of a control. So as there's not so much opening and close. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think the externally equalized valves. See, they, I like A8OE. Or A8, like, in that sense, is a discharge, is a DDR valve. They work great. I think the A9 works better as an outlet pressure regulator. I think I think it keeps a more constant outlet pressure than the A8OE. I mean, but an A9, like, just, it rides like a freight train. But if you hear that A8 whistling, that thing's holding back. Like, it's, it's, it's close to the port. We had a couple A8s that were oversized, too, that, we're just like constantly whistling or there was uh it, it's it's just kind of hunting all over the place if you get an a8 that's hunting like real real bad like if you can't maintain head pressure your fans are off and you're hunting all over the place and it's whistling a lot mm-hmm. that valve's oversized because you're yeah. operating too you know you're operating too close to the uh, closed port so you're operating too close to that piston being closed if you size that valve i guarantee it's oversized generally dropping down to the next size down usually will stop it from doing that mm-hmm. like we had one i had one whistling last week it was so loud the store was calling complaining about it cuz it was you could hear it through the mechanical room in the store over the compressors over the compressors it, so- it sounded horrendous like a freight train whistle that's awesome but uh but yeah this just going through and like finding stuff like that a lot of uh new construction startups the guys did that just kind of that that really got people just about every co2 rack went down yeah why what improper settings on on the 326 and the core link or what the improper settings on the 326 and no load Uh oh. Well, so like all the Aldi's, every single one of them went down almost all the way like through like down south to like uh like St. Louis area. Every single one was down. Pulled the shades down, and all of a sudden the rack 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 collapsed. They all went down about the same time. They pulled the shades down. (laughs) The freezer went into defrost, and they all just crashed. So what you know, the reason why this happens is, and we went over this before, but typically, you know, when you put curtains on, you decrease the load by about 35%. And, you know, most of your shit's on your medium temp, right? So that's most of your load right there. And then, and on all these, they have, you know, two circuits, typically the, the low temp uh, freezer, and then they put the meat box on there as well. Well, if they both go into defrost at the same time, now you have no load whatsoever on your low temp which means you now decrease the load on your medium temp on top of not barely having any load as it is because now you have all these curtains that are pulled down. So 
I'm assuming probably right what 10 30 11 o'clock everything started failing about midnight one o'clock when the freezer went to defrost and everything just like just straight tanked you start popping off or did it at least maintain the vessel pressure? Uh, <laughs> really yeah. tell me more <laughs> some of the low temps popped off like but most most of them just sat there and idled I mean, it was so cold. It was it was colder than the flash tanks at set point. So, I mean, it kind of just sat there and idled. But it was, I'm at the point with that. Like, I just want to rip all the night curtains down because, I mean, the compressors are oversized. They can't. They can't. They don't have a turn down, and the hot gas injection is like useless. So, like, they just crash. So, I mean, there's, like, almost nothing you could do about it. We tuned a couple stores. Like, I had four stores that we had retuned mm-hmm. and that they're, like, a year old, and they're – I kind of trained the store manager. Like, they know, like, not – if it's summertime, go ahead and pull the nightshades down, sure. But they don't do it all winter long. Like, he shoves them up in the case balance so they can't do it. Get the fuck up. Yeah, he knows like it's gonna. It's, he's he's the first one to get the call at two o'clock in the morning that the rack's down. So you know, no nightshades. I mean, it just it just causes more problems than it saves at that point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, other than that, like it was just a lot of it was heating calls. Tons of stores were like they let's let the you know were there five six quotes out on rooftop you know, quotes that they, you know, haven't approved because, well, the store's warm when it's 50 degrees and, uh, you know, they didn't, you know, approve those core rooftop units in the middle of the store to get, you know, parts. And then they are calling on Friday when it's minus 20. Where's my heat exchanger? Wanting to approve rooftop parts. Like, no. (laughs) Yeah, I've been a lot of that, like, Tons of unit heaters down, like with stuff like that, frozen vestibules. I mean, it was just everything was just taxed. Like, it was just to the point where, like, it, I mean, it is, it, we're not just even designed for that. Like, even up north, it's, I, I hate you. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, whatever, Brad. <laughs> I mean, there were, there were stores where, like, you, you couldn't even get them to shut the economizers. Like there were stores with economizers still 10% open, like even 10% open with the economizer. It's like the discharge air just couldn't maintain on the rooftop units. Wow. I mean, you're pulling in minus 15 degree air with a economizer 10% open. That's a lot. I mean, that's usually the minimum, uh, minimum cutout, right? For what? For temperature. Yeah, it depends. I mean, like CPC doesn't, I don't think, and neither does microthermal. Like there's if if you have a minimum condenser or a minimum like economizer set point, like if it's ten percent, it's ten percent. It's not gonna close more than ten percent. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, we had some uh we had quite a few uh coils freeze and air handlers downtown. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was just bad all around. When it gets that cold, it's just it's just miserable. No, I've seen it. It's it's not fun. Um, then, then to top it off, we got like eight inches of snow and ice. So, 
Oh. Like up by so like Illinois was fine. Like they get like two, three inches of snow. Up by me, we got like eight with fifty mile an hour winds. Yeah. So it was like almost not, the highway was almost impassable for the most part. Nice. Everybody forgets how to drive, you know, and they drive up here all, all the time. It's just like instantly as soon as it, you know a little bit of snow comes, they'd all forget how to drive and everybody's crashing into ditches and I was watching a Christmas story and I was I was actually I had I had a thought. You know how you are when shit breaks around the fucking house. The same way the old man is on the Christmas story, cursing all as you're going down. Fucking goddamn bit. Oh, oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Or it's like uh, kids going through drywall, or uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. <laughs> there's, there's five kids in my house generally. You know, two to three days a week with my my nephews, and they're all eight there's two eight-year-old twins and a and an 11 year old plus my 11 year old and my six-year-old so it's just like chaos in here like it's just you know kids rolling downstairs and punching holes in walls on accident playing the, the with the vr oculus but there was a zombie there dad i swear yeah well guys that's gonna we're gonna wrap up the uh cold weather uh this sucks and uh we'll see you next time